Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as ever by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. It's now clear that COVID-19 is something we're going to be living alongside for some time to come. Earlier this evening, Prime Minister Boris Johnson addressed the nation. Here's some of what he had to say. And while the vast majority have complied with the rules, there have been too many breaches, too many opportunities for our invisible enemy to slip through undetected. The virus has started to spread again in an exponential way. Infections are up, hospital admissions are climbing. We can see what's happening in France and Spain. And we know, alas, that this virus is no less fatal than it was in the spring. And that the vast majority of our people are no less susceptible. And the iron laws of geometrical progression are shouting at us from the graphs that we risk many more deaths, many more families losing loved ones before their time. So today I set out a package of tougher measures in England. Early closing for pubs, bars, table service only, closing businesses that are not COVID secure, expanding the use of face coverings, new fines for those that fail to comply, once again asking office workers to work from home if they can, while enforcing the rule of six, indoors and outdoors. A tougher package of national measures combined with the potential for tougher local restrictions for areas already in lockdown. I know that this approach, robust but proportionate, already carries the support of all the main parties in Parliament. After discussion with colleagues in the devolved administrations, I believe this broad approach is shared across the whole UK. Greg, we're recording this podcast late on the evening of Tuesday, the 22nd of September, just a few hours after Prime Minister Boris Johnson addressed the nation. And I have to say, Greg, that as far as I was concerned, it was an opportunity missed. I thought his five-minute address was essentially rambling nonsense. I think what we really needed was a reminder that these new restrictions are required because too many people have let their guard down in recent months. He should also have warned about the dangers of spreading misinformation from unreliable sources on social media. He should then have gone on to say how many people we can mix with indoors, how many people we can mix with outdoors, and how much distance we should keep. To me, Greg, the message lacked clarity. Your thoughts? I possibly have the advantage of you. I watched his uh, delivery to the House of Commons at 12.30. He made all the points that were ne- you quote and that were very necessary. I think his problem was he probably said this three, four, five times in interviews during the course of the afternoon. In the evening, he was delivering to what he saw as a domestic audience in their homes. And many of those people probably were watching it in isolation. And to lay it on too heavily for them might have been a mistake. I looking, yeah, looking at where we are at the moment then, essentially the, the United Kingdom has now fallen pretty much into line in that all pubs, bars and restaurants will be forced to close by 10pm each evening from Thursday. The hospitality sector will be restricted to table service only. 
And I think, Greg, I know that a lot of people who've been messaging me as the evening has gone on are feeling very down about this. And to be honest, I'm not feeling great about it myself, but we do need to get real. Realistically now, we're looking at a winter of significant restrictions on how we live our lives. I think that's very true, and rightly so, because the moment that it was relaxed, it was totally abused by every idiot in sight. And they have brought about this continuation, which has escalated. It hasn't escalated anywhere like as much as the government scientific advisors have tried to lead people to believe it has, saying it's doubling every seven days. It's done nothing like that. Saying that it would be, on present figures, it would be 50,000 cases a day on, in mid-October. Well, if you extrapolate those figures, you have what is so common, scientific garbage. Namely, that on Christmas Day, we can reasonably expect 50 million new cases. Yes, yes, you are correct. So we're talking about um, Chris Whitty and Roger Valance there, aren't we, really? And but, based but, on Roger Valance. Yeah, yes, and when you see statistics like that, public trust is very quickly eroded. But to go back to how we got to where we are, so to speak, that first weekend in July... Uh, in England, pubs were allowed to reopen, albeit with social distancing measures, and people were told to stay within their family or extended bubble groups. In Wales, um, the outdoor areas of pubs only were permitted to reopen the following week, a week Monday following that. Uh, England, it opened the first Saturday of July. Wales, it was a week Monday later, but outdoor areas only. In reality, a lot of pubs did not bother opening because it didn't make economic sense to just open a small number of outdoor areas. The indoor areas of pubs in Wales opened uh, from early August onwards. But here we were with a situation also in restaurants, eat out to help out, 50% off a meal up to the value of £10. You uh, go with your family or with friends, and if you go with friends, keep your distance. A lot of people under the age of about 30 took that sign, that slight reopening over July and the first part of August, as a sign as, hey, the threat is over, it's party time, we can do what we like. Now, I don't necessarily blame the under 30s for that, because I think there was a significant breakdown in communication from the government. What the government should have done, in my view, is have public information films on every ad break, on every TV channel, telling people how many people they could mix with indoors, how many people they could mix with outdoors, and how much distance they should keep. And also have that on YouTube and also on Spotify. And we also had a situation where in town and city centres across Britain on Friday and Saturday nights, the night would start off sensibly enough with people sitting at their family or extended friendship bubble tables at six o'clock, but come chucking out time at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., people were hugging, kissing, and even fighting. We saw this, and now I'm afraid, Greg, we're reaping the consequences of that. The problem is, because of these few idiots, we're all reaping the consequences. It's not just the idiots who were doing it, it's those who were trying to exploit it, the publicans and the like. So are you saying then that they should have put more severe restrictions on licensees, particularly bar owners and club owners? 
Should they have been but, shut down on the spot off, after the first violation? Is that what you're calling for? I, I think I think we are far too lenient with, with alcohol. We have every, without COVID, we have every night of the week people coming out of pubs, effing and blinding at the top of their voices, having rowdy fights, swearing at the police, and nobody does a damn thing about it. So what are, you, what are you calling for then? Are you, are you saying that, okay, we've seen video footage up and down Britain of everything I've just described, Friday, Saturday nights, chucking out time 12, one, two, there's hugging and kissing in the street, fighting in the street, dancing in the streets, uh, as alcohol has taken its toll. This 10 p.m. measure, should it have come into force months ago? I think better than that, people who had broken the rules should have been photographed and publicly shamed and warned officially that if they did it again, they would get a £250 fine immediately. And that if they paid it on time, it would be halved. But failing that, it would be paid through the courts and accrue a £1,000 costs. But there is a wider issue here in terms of the rules and the guidance on meeting up. Now, this was changed just over a week ago. And there's a lack of clarity, and there always was, but it's been reduced to obviously this, this bubble of six now. But here we go. This is the situation we're in at the moment. I've got the, the rules in front of me. How many people outdoors? In England, it's six from multiple households. In Scotland, it's up to six aged 12 plus from two households. Wales is up to 30 outdoors. Northern Ireland up to 15 outdoors. At what distance? In England, one meter plus. In Scotland, two meters apart, age 12 plus only, less in some premises. In Wales, two meters apart, aged 11 plus only, less in some premises. In Northern Ireland, two meters apart. And what about indoors? In England, six from multiple households. Scotland, up to six, age 12 plus from two households. Wales, up to six, age 11 plus from an extended household. Northern Ireland, six from two households. Now, here's something. You can criticize the devolved administrations all you like, and I go along with most of those criticisms. In fact, I've written about it in some depth. But you've got this situation now. Let's just compare England and Wales and the, and the, uh, the, the rule both indoor and outdoor in effect. In England, six from multiple households. Uh, and indoors in Wales, up to six from an extended household. So in England, you can allow people into your household who may have been in another household the day before. It doesn't tell you specifically you can't have different people on different days. But if you think of it in terms of a multiple, where these people have been and who they come into contact with, this is not a good way of stopping the spread of the virus in England, is it? It was an attempt to slack off the system. Unfortunately, due to the crass stupidity of devolution, we have had this desperate attempt at weenie waggling by um, these different regions, all wanting to do something to be noticed. But hang on, hang on. Hasn't, hasn't Wales got it more logical here? Because it's saying, yes, up to six indoors now, but from an extended household. In other words, you can invite your grandparents or your uncle or whoever, whereas England, it's multiple households. Now, in term, I'm not saying I don't think either the Westminster government or the, the Welsh government has handled the situation at all well, but this multiple household rule in England can't be a good thing, can it? 
we haven't got a Welsh government. We've got a regional council. It doesn't matter. You dress a monkey in silk, it's still a monkey. Well, it has the powers over the NHS in Wales, and that's the reality. And they are the ones. It's after they've made of that. Well, yes, they, they have, but look, but look at this now. At least in Wales, there is a clarity on the rule. It has to be from an extended household, your extended family. In England, you can invite in um, Tom, Dick, and Harry round every night of the week, and then Steve and John round the following night. This, this, in terms of stopping the spread of the virus, this rule in England is totally illogical, as far as I can tell. Uh, the, the whole point is the lack of clarity does not exist in England. It exists because there are two different systems. No, there are four different systems, not two. Uh, yes, but you were talking specifically about Wales, the, the England. Yeah, but there's nothing to stop the Welsh government or the English government from, in their respective territories, putting out public information films on the telly and on Spotify and on YouTube and through all the other means people that consume information. There hasn't been that. People, you go out into the street, uh, keeping a social distance, obviously, but if you vox pop people and say, how many people am I allowed to meet indoors? How many allowed to meet outdoors? The vast majority wouldn't have a clue. No, hardly anyone listening to this would have a clue if I hadn't just read it out. No, because the, muddy, the waters have been muddied by different people doing different things, either oh. by region or by authority. We have crackdowns on um, people holding meetings who happen to be one ethnic group, whilst other ethnic groups are encouraged. Well, grouse shooting is encouraged, isn't it? Um, exactly. However, yeah, you... that, uh, that does at least occur out of doors, and um, it's not a very good policy to be within six feet of somebody who is wielding a firearm. Yeah, but then you've got another thing, if you want to deal with this on a sort of class basis, if you like. You've got, obviously, you've got Premier League football. We know about the restrictions there. There's been uh, limited access at uh, EFL level, which is tiers two, three, and four, if you like, in the professional game of limited access for fans. The next level down, tier five, which is called the National League, um, they have said now that if fans can't be allowed into the grounds from October, we're into semi-professional ranks by this stage, by the way, the league won't take place this season. So... It, it, we, we could end up with an absurd situation where you can go grouse shooting, but you can't be socially distanced in a football ground. That, that, is, that is where these rules are heading. Hang on, that's not an absurd situation. Uh, grouse shooting, people turn up in their own vehicles. Hmm. They park in a rural area for the shoot. They then have maybe 15 to 20 in a gun line. We're not talking of a thousand people turning up to a football game and many of them turning up on foot after traveling on public transport. There is no comparison. If you're going to compare things, uh, do compare like with like. Well, with that thought in mind, then, at the moment we're experiencing uh, people going back to university after many, many months away. I know through my own experience of being a student in the early to mid 2000s, that during Freshers Week and in the weeks immediately after September, the early part of October, I got every cold sniffle, you name it, because you had a lot of students packed into a tight area of space, both in terms of halls, in terms of the public transport taking you to and from university, on the course itself, in the lecture theatres and in the seminar rooms, um, and also as well as your social life. 
to me, it is absolute madness that universities are resuming not so much distance learning, but actually being physically present because of the inevitable close proximity. What I'm getting at, Greg, it's bad enough at the best of times at the moment. This is asking for trouble, isn't it? Uh, it's a trouble that we have to come to terms with and have to work our way through. But do we, though, in this age of distance learning? Because I, I look, with, with the exception of medicine, with the exception of medicine, I can't think of a single course you couldn't study these days via distance learning if you absolutely had to. Now, don't get me wrong. You do lose out on the university experience, living away from home, getting your independence, learning a bit about life and so forth, living in a different town or city. Yes, you lose that, and that's unfortunate. But in terms of your actual study, there's no reason why, with the exception of medicine, you couldn't do that uh, distance learning under these circumstances, is there? Uh, yes, that's not a university education. That is merely a qualification. Well, is that a pri look? You'd still have to sit the exams at the end of the day at some point, so you know you you couldn't fluke it in that sense. That is only, that's only a qualification. What We're are you getting at? University education, the breadth of experience that makes somebody that much more employable, that much more competent in life. We're not talking of qualification, which is the degree of competence in a narrow field. All, all right, but to, to explain the extent of the risk here then, what the students do at the weekends, they very often go and visit friends at other universities, go and visit their boyfriend or their girlfriend at another university, go home to see their parents for a few days. Uh, when they are home with their parents, they catch up with their friends from their hometown or city. Um, they're on public transport, traveling around the country, particularly at weekends. This is a breeding ground, is it not? Uh, yes, but there is another way of looking at this breeding ground. Uh, probably some of the most filthy kitchens in this country are domestic kitchens in people's homes. We insist on a quality of cleanliness in public kitchens. The reason being that people are inured to the germs and conditions in their own homes. The moment that you send them out to deal with other people's germs and conditions, one has to ensure that where possible, they are that much more sanitized. And at university nowadays, part of a university edu education, as opposed to mere qualification, is coming to terms with the difficulties and challenges of living alongside a virulent virus that is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, not just the six months that Boris Johnson mentioned in Parliament today. Yeah, a situation I where there isn't an earthly hope of having a fully fledged vaccination developed and administered, tested and administered to the world's population inside of three to five years. Well, look, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. And I do, I am in no doubt at all, there will certainly not be a vaccine this side of Christmas. I think we can get that thought out of our heads right now. But to finish off, because time is against us, I'm afraid, everything you've just said about what a university education should be, 
and what it is are two different things. Now, as I say, it was actually 15 years ago now that I finished university, but the reality of the university education is filthy kitchens, is students in close proximity. Everything you say should be in place, whether it is in place is another matter. But anyway, Greg, our time is up. My thanks as always to Greg. My thanks to you for listening. Do please take on board the advice. Act sensibly when you are out and about, wear a mask when you're in the shops and on public transport. Don't take any chances. This virus is very real and it's going to be with us for some time to come. And we'll do another podcast again very soon. Thank you very much for listening.